Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. The domestic season may be over, but we still have the closing stages of the Champions League and the Europa League to play. And Bet365 offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. With the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from the Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello dear listener and welcome to Pod on the Time. My name's Taylor Payne. It's lovely to be back in your ears. Uh, welcome back and thank you again for tuning in. I am joined this week by Sergeant Chris Waffles Waff. How are you doing Chris? Are you alright? I'm not too bad, thank you. Yeah, not too bad. Drowning in a takeover saga, but oh, we all God, have been for months on end. So it's coming at us from all angles now, isn't it? It is, unfortunately. Yeah, we have <laughs> we have new groups. We have we have we have new claims. We have we have new yeah. Photoshop pictures of Barack Obama every five minutes. It's just ridiculous. What is going on, Chris? What is the world coming to? <laughs> if I could answer that question, then I think I'd be a very rich man right now. Don't think anybody knows. Anyway, we've got a lovely, lovely edition of uh, Pot on the Time coming up for you today. There's no George, sadly. He should be back very soon. But to make up for the fact that it is just me and Chris, we've got a couple of lovely guests coming on as well. I've said lovely about 12 times already in this intro, but that's okay. It is a lovely podcast today. We've got Matt Slater coming up, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. to give us a little bit more context and info about the takeover. He's going to be with us very shortly. And also we've got Ian Mearns, MP, uh, to come on and talk to us a little bit about support. Newcastle as an MP and also his involvement in getting the, the petition to the Premier League and writing letters to the Premier League and Richard Masters and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, Chris, where are we at the minute? What the hell's going on, man? Everything's just up in the air, isn't it? Well, Newcastle United, by the time this podcast comes out, may have made a signing or it will be very close. So Jeff Hendrick is nearly upon us as a signing. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing you want to hear, isn't it? Jeff Hendrick is nearly upon you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the, the, it's funny because speaking to people about Jeff Hendrick, and I know that there's very, there's there's little enthusiasm, and it was always going to be difficult to get people sort of excited during this current window about anything really because of the situation at Newcastle United, the apathy of 13 years of Mike Ashley takeover, yeah. collapsing, all that sort of stuff, and the fact that really everyone wants to hear Newcastle United have signed a striker who will score goals. Um, but instead, they've signed a, a free transfer midfielder or close to signing a free transfer mm. midfielder at this stage. And and someone someone I spoke to in around the club said, yeah, that, I mean, but that's it's a signing that sort of does in some ways sum up Newcastle United and the situation they're in, economics and, and all that sort of, yeah. and the takeover situation and everything. But then every single person I've spoken to who knows Hendrick and, 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 and basically coaches who've coached in the Premier League before have said he, is, he isn't an exciting player, but he is also the sort of player... The, the description you get over and over again, it's almost a cliche, but he's the sort of player every squad needs. Yes. And so this is this is the thing with Newcastle. Like a Bruce James is, Perch, maybe. Like a James Perch, but uh, <laughs> and, and also versatile like James Perch, or doesn't play in defence, yes. but basically can play anywhere in midfield. And and at Burnley, I mean Sean Dyche didn't didn't want to lose him and, and he was I think he yeah. got quite frustrated at the board that they actually allowed uh, Hendrick's contract to expire and for him to leave. And so, in some ways, it's it's sort of a, an astute sign. I'm not going to try and big it up to be more than it is because I understand that why would Newcastle fans get excited about Jeff Hendrick, who probably isn't going to be an automatic starter either. But at the same time, he sort of fills in a, a few holes if Newcastle needed. He'll be able to play in the two in front of the in front of the defence. But he can't even yeah. play just off off a strikeout, albeit he doesn't score that many goals. And so. It's 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 certainly not the transfer business Newcastle fans want to hear about yet, but at least it's better than nothing. And they have That's true. Yes, they've only completed two free transfers. One of whom obviously was before the end of last season. But hopefully yeah. this is the first of, of quite a bit of business because I still think they certainly need to strengthen definitely up front. I mean, with the greatest respect to Jeff Hendrick, it's not a fantastically exciting signing, is it? But often you find that those players who who are slightly underwhelming when they are signed to, to the fans, are the ones who, who actually step up and do quite well. I mean, you know, you, you think about people over the years who've come, who've surprised, were people like Anton Sibierski, who came in as a 
as a free transfer on a short-term deal and 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 was great for the club at the time is exactly what we needed. You never know, do you, with these kind of deals? It's often the players who who come in without any kind of fanfare are the ones who end up doing quite well for the club and stay for a little bit of time. Yeah, and also just given all of the the challenges that Newcastle are facing in this window, if you can sign Jeff Hendrick on a free transfer, as much as anything's ever a free transfer because they actually turn out <laughs> well, quite expensive, but if you can sign him on that and it means that you've 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 kept over the the, the remainder of what is an already slash budget due to COVID, then I don't think that that is necessarily the worst piece of business. Either. If no. we if if the summer ends or the transfer window ends and Newcastle have only signed Mark Gillespie and Jeff Hendrick on free transfers, I think we can rightly say this was a terrible transfer window. Yeah. But if they go on and sign three or four more players, particularly a mm. centre forward for some for a decent amount of money, then I think that we can say yeah that wasn't that wasn't necessarily the worst sign ever. I mean, when you stack it up against potentially bringing back Nabil Bentaleb and the the price tag that came along with that when you take into account his performances as well last season, I, I don't think it's bad. I think it stacks up quite well. I think it's a pretty decent deal. I think it makes sense as much as, as much as we wouldn't want Newcastle to be in this position and we wouldn't want this to be the situation that they are in. Unfortunately, reality bites, as, as we've said regularly, far too regularly on this podcast over the last nine, <laughs> ten months. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Well, I'm sure everybody's sick of listening to our voices. Let's get some guests on it. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein and I've launched a brand new show on YouTube, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our athletic subscribers. To get your question answered, simply leave a comment at the bottom of my column every Monday and I'll choose my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the TIFO Podcast YouTube channel and a new episode will be up every Tuesday afternoon. So we are joined once again by Matt Slater. Matt, thank you very much for coming on. Welcome back to the show. That's all right. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, uh, I'm a bit depressed that the summer holiday's almost done. It's sort of, I know. It's that it's that last little bit where you sort of think, oh right, suddenly the best bits are behind us, not in front of us. And yeah, no, it's been it's been fine though, and I'm all right. 2020's been one of those years, hasn't it? I don't even think we're going to get an autumn. I think we'll get to the end of September and it'll just go winter. We'll just have autumn one afternoon and that'll yeah. be it. It'll be straight into uh, straight Game into of Thrones winter. style. Absolutely. Two seasons. It is. Relegation is coming. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's the way I look at it as a Newcastle fan. Uh, well, yourself and Chris combined uh, for this, this piece which came out at the weekend, uh, explained the Premier League's letter about Newcastle's failed takeover. We've got you on just to kind of give a bit more context to that whole situation. Chris... Let's start with you. So, so yeah, obviously, Matt and I worked on this and uh, sort of covered it from, from my understanding from how it impacts Newcastle. Uh, you can obviously read this piece on The Athletic at the moment. And basically, we're just trying to explain what does what does this letter actually mean? Because we hadn't heard from the Premier League other than sort of anodyne statements, not really say anything throughout uh, the entire process. And then when the buyers, prospective buyers pulled out a couple of weeks ago, there was a lot of owners put on that the Premier League needed to speak. There was a big campaign led by mm. the the NUST MPs, loads of loads of uh, political figures. And finally, Richard Masters did respond uh, in a in a letter to Chi Onrura, and he did expand further than we've got to at this stage before. And basically, what was interesting about that was he he basically confirmed that they hadn't got all the way through the test, and that although the Premier League hadn't reached a final ruling either way in terms of whether they were going to pass or reject the takeover, that they didn't believe that they could get the answers that they wanted from the consortium in terms of governance. And they thought PIF seemingly was an extension of uh, the Saudi state. Now, Matt will explain a little bit more on this because uh, the way that Amanda Stavely put an interview with Georgia the week was that... Uh, the Premier League were demanding that the Saudi state become a director, but Matt will will explain why he thinks that that isn't necessarily an accurate representation of, of what was being said. Just on this point around what the Premier League were asking of PIF, I you know I, I felt for some time that uh, Amanda Slavery had misrepresented that completely. Now whether she was doing it intentionally or not, I don't know. But of course, as the listeners will remember, she sort of portrayed it in these terms, that the Premier League wanted, if you like, the Saudi state, MBS, Mohammed bin Salman himself, or you know, someone of that ilk, to, to effectively become a director of the club. Mm. And uh, that was OTT. That's not, that's not what um, you know, was, was asked of, of, of the Abu Dhabi royal family at, at Manchester City or, or PSG in Qatar. And you know, Saudi Arabia, as a state, does not want to be a director of a football team. That, that's not what happened? It, it really isn't. The timeline is important. So the Premier League 
were effectively saying to Newcastle, and that's important because the whole ODT test process is done via the club. So that's the person, that's the institution the Premier League has been talking to, Newcastle United, not not PCP. Mm-hmm. And Newcastle United proposed their suggested list of you know the, the people they would like to become owners and directors. The Premier League look at that and say, well, look, we feel because PIF is the sovereign wealth fund of Saudi Arabia and is effectively the investment arm of that country and is inextricably linked with uh, MBS's project for the country, is run out of his office. The state is PIF. Now, because we are making that assessment, the state is PIF, we have some additional information we need from you. We, have, we, we then go on to the next bit of our, our test, which gets into all the disqualifying criteria. Yeah. You know, all, all of the things that, you know, in the tech, tick box exercise would rule you out from becoming an owner or a director. With the one, I think everyone can guess, the, the key one here being the piracy issue, which is there in the appendix. I know some fans have pointed out that it's not there in the qualified, disqualifying criteria. It is. It's in the appendix. So having made that assessment that PIF is the Saudi state, and uh, we have had an issue with the Saudi state for three years for all the things we've discussed before and I've written about before that long before Saudi Arabia were interested in buying a Premier League club, as soon as PIF, as far as the Premier League were concerned, equaled Saudi state, Mm. that's where the kind of questions around piracy come into it. That's the bit where Stavely's misrepresentation, she's got the order a little bit wrong. It's not they were saying we'd like the Saudi state to become a director. It's saying we think the Saudi state is a director. It would have influence over the club. It would be a shadow director, which again is mentioned in the test. That's why we need the additional information about the piracy. Now, at that point, massive issues, massive uh, flags should have been risen, dare I say, red flags in June. Now, anyone connected to the bid would have known this would be an issue because the additional information nearly came. Now, what the Premier League have revealed in the letter to the MP is we offered the bid arbitration at that stage. So earlier in the process than you'd normally get it, you know, if you want to argue this case in front of an independent, in front of a third party body, that PIF does not equal the Saudi state, let's do that now. And they didn't. They didn't. They didn't want to. And we can discuss why they might not want to have done that as well, if you like. But the key point is they didn't want to. So that is when it stalled. It got stuck at that process. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my next question to you, Matt, was with regards to the tribunal and, and it being offered. Why, I mean, in your opinion, why do you think why do you think the consortium didn't take that option up? Oh, I've got to be really careful about opinion. <laughs> because, because, <laughs> look, I, yeah. because one, yeah, because yeah. I'm a news reporter and, and two, because I don't want to upset your fan base. I, I think I, I appear to have already upset some of them. I, you know, <laughs> no, I've had, I've had, I've had to mix, well, I've had a bit of both. And I, I get that. I've been here before. I've done this sort of reporting yeah. before about other clubs. And I, I understand how, um, you know, I, I support a club that I'd like to change hands. I've been in that position for 20 years. I'm a lifetime yeah. member of my trust. I take that very seriously. Um, and I don't mind being called Anglo-Saxon terms. I'm, I'm big enough and ugly enough. And, and sometimes yeah. I, I am a one of those things. Um, but I, I don't like being called a racist or I'm, I'm, yeah. sort of on, I'm, I'm on someone's payroll. I'm just trying to interpret the, the rules and, how, and the process as best I can and try to explain it to people. And, and, that, and that's just where I'm coming from. So I, I'm going to sort of slightly swerve opinion, if I can, in this one. Okay. Though, I, though, I, though I will, you know, suggest that, that that was a path that was open to the bid if they wanted to take it. And they chose not to. They chose not to argue their case that PIF does not equal KSA in front of a third party. Now, that would, of course, would have slowed things down. But this idea that arbitration has to take 12, 18 months is not true. I'm sorry. We've seen it umpteen other cases, be it big doping cases before Olympic Games or um, trying to resolve the Manchester City situation before you know the next Champions League season kicks off. It, it, it can and has been done. But they chose not to take that, that that offer up. I mean, can I just say from the this and again, this is this is not my opinion. This is I put this to the the prospective buyers to to say, well, why didn't this is this is now in writing the Premier League confirmed? Why didn't you take 
uh, arbitration when it was offered. Now, their argument, and this is just what they're saying back, is that, that the Premier League rules allow them to be able to go to arbitration if if the process had been rejected. And so they basically wanted the Premier League to say, well, are you are you are if you're rejecting us, we will go to arbitration. So their argument was that their new arbitration was always something anyway, and they wanted the test to be completed. And then they wanted to go to arbitration at that stage rather than for one of the points within the test. Why exactly that was the case... I wasn't really able to get what what I would say would be an adequate answer, but basically, yeah, their argument is we we thought if if they were going to get arbitration, we could have gone for that if they'd failed us, so they should just failed us rather than just offer us arbitration at that stage. That is what they came back with. It's all very murky and muddy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's as clear as mud. Very strange stuff. Matt, in terms of in terms of what happens now, because obviously the. The, the bid has been withdrawn. The Premier League even said that within the letter. Well, they, they said that the, 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 they've said that they've withdrawn the bid. So, it, I mean, this idea that, that I don't want to give Newcastle fans false hope, and, and I'm not trying to do that in any way, shape, or form, because I, I've put it to, to, to people connected to the bid as well as where, where does this go forward? You're still hoping for a positive resolution. Everyone is still, in theory, committed if you think the bid can be passed. But how, where is the pathway to that point? How do we get to that stage? Yeah. I mean, from your point of view, can the can the Premier League actually do that, or would the would the bid have to return and go back to the owners and directors test before anything could could progress here? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I've heard, I'm sure you have, and as I'm sure most of the listeners have heard or read, various sort of theories and and, and ideas as to as to where this might go next. You know, can you repackage the deal? Can you do a sort of Sheffield United approach where? You know, the money is effectively funneled through an individual, which I guess is effectively what Manchester City did. Um, I don't necessarily, I don't know why they didn't try that in the first place. I think we yeah. still would have had this issue, though. I think, you know, the Premier League isn't that daft, frankly, and was um, so involved in the B in, B out, Q row that I think we'd have had this issue anyway. You know, I've heard all sorts of theories funneling it via even another country, you know, a friendly country, i.e. UAE. I, I think we still... When you've when you've spent three four months banging heads with someone and trying to get it through one way, coming back so soon via another way, it's just a bit obvious. So um, I'm not sure Saudi are going to get around this by sort of kind of you know going around the houses. Um, I think we we come back to what I've said I think to you guys before that there is a win win here and the win win is still the same. It's KSA get their club, Premier League get Saudi Arabia, KSA to take piracy seriously, Bein get some kind of, um, I don't I think we're beyond apologies, I think they're grown ups, I think they also know that, that you know, that dispute, you know, what's an apology? But Bein yeah. want some sort of payoff, recompense, some sort of yeah. recognition to make right what has been going on for the last few years and to give them some certainty for their business going forward. And you know, that is the win-win. And then maybe they will get, I know people have started talking to me about well, why are they part of that Middle East, Northern Africa deal anyway. Look, great, all to be discussed. But can we can we, can we we do it within the boundaries of international law? That's always been the Premier League's point. So there, there is a way. It, it's, the, it's the way that existed back in, in, in February and March, unfortunately. And it's the way that, that we have wasted time trying to avoid. And if I wanted, if I could say one, one thing, really about all of this. I mean, I understand the anger, the fact that, um, you know, the Northeast has been deprived of funding for so long, and as, as other northern towns, or as other towns that aren't in the Southeast around the country have, is, is a disgrace that we have outsourced this to property developers and, and, and foreign mm. investors. That's a disgrace, and that doesn't change. But the Premier League has a rule book, and the rule book it is given is basically, it's been given it by the clubs, the ODT test and the way the Premier League approaches prospective buyers is that way because that's the way the clubs want it. So sometimes Richard Masters is just there to be a lightning rod. To That's where he earns his corn, to take shit, and he has taken it. Mm. No one's more frustrated than me than the way they have not communicated during this process. And the letter, which I thought was a good letter, was about a month late, yeah. at least a month late. And I know I get the, the running commentary sort of stuff. Trust me, that is bloody frustrating when they say that to you all the time. But they but they could have they could and should have supplied more here because this takeover was weird from the beginning. 
and and and, and took on a, a a life and a size of its own and a bit more communication thought for the fans just fans aren't stupid just yeah. just just can we just give us a bit more and i don't think they would have upset the other clubs too much by just saying a tiny bit more and a more timely way but the 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 other point i want to make is I think Newcastle fans have got very, very angry with only a few people and not angry at all with some of the key people in this bid. And I am talking about Slavely and PSP. They, they, they at best, have now run a few very, very poor takeover bids for football clubs. They've over-promised, under-delivered, and it, it just, as a neutral who has no skin in this game, I, I just find it strange that they have avoided any of the heat this podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the expert in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped what? has just launched in the UK. <laughs> We've gone years without using the right tools for the job, so you can be one of the first men in the country to experience Manscaped's life-changing products. Uh, their third-generation trimmer... It a, is it a chainsaw? Can I get on with the script, please, George, before yes. we start jumping in? Their third generation trimmer, strimmer, hedge trimmer, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. And the water resistant technology allows you to groom whilst in the shower or in the bath, talking to Steve Bruce. Uh, we've got a special offer for you right now, listening to this podcast. Get 20% off and free shipping by using the code EPL20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping and manscaped by using the code EPL20. Happy shaving. And I hope that is the only 20% off. George, are you going to get, are you going to get one of those? <laughs> Hashtag knee pubes. Knee pubes. Um, knee pubes. Wow. Well, I mean, it's the future, this, isn't it? This is the future. So. Um, this is what all the lads are know, doing. Specialist equipment to mm. uh, to get rid of the old to get rid of the old uh, pubes. Um, I'd like to know where Chris stands on this subject. How do you mean by why I, where I stand? Very far away, I'd well, imagine. I'm not saying hands I, over I, his eyes. I'm not. I, I'm not talking about your sack shaving stance. Oh, look, that was quite a good alliteration. I'm not talking about your sack shaving stance. I'm talking about where you stand on the whole idea of male grooming. Each to their own. I think it's. Uh, I think some some more natural. Some you know people people Nicely prefer. Dodged. prefer You're quite uncomfortable. Things. You're quite uncomfortable Nicely talking about dodged. stuff like this, aren't you, Chris? Yeah. For a man yeah, so but... ready to talk about meat, he doesn't want to talk about his meat. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I think I think it's important. I mean, so my my personal philosophy on this is to um, is to is to be streamlined for the summer. I like to be streamlined for the summer, and I like to grow a full all over body pelt for the winter. I think it's. I mean, I think this is you know prehistoric man kicking in. It's those old. It's those old instincts. But mm. I want to be one giant ball of hair in the cold winter months and then when summer comes along i want to be streamlined so i can catch that gazelle and nothing is going to interfere with your catching of that gazelle with hairy balls getting caught on brambles and stuff like that so that's I, that's very much my whatever that's my so i'm all in favor of manscaping and i will be signing up for that I mean, from my point of view, and I was going to bring this up anyway, but you've you've segged into it quite nicely. Um, something which was, I mean, because I'm a Newcastle fan, Mike, you probably don't realise that because I haven't <laughs> called you a Qatari shill yet or something. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Newcastle fan, and, and and basically, something which kind of grinded against me a little bit was the fact that a couple of weeks ago we had Amanda Staveley in her her interview saying a rallying call for the Newcastle fans. You must put pressure on the Premier League. You must do this. You must do that. Um, and knowing full well what had actually gone on in the backstory that us as fans putting pressure on isn't going to make a difference really when it comes down to it. Now, this is something which I've kind of struggled with over the last couple of weeks because I was firmly behind this and I wanted this to happen. Um, but the the reaction from me to this is that I, I feel a little bit used if that makes sense, and maybe I'm being oversensitive here, but I do. I feel a little. I feel a little bit used as a fan. I feel like kind of we've been we've been told, you know, the only way this can work now is if you guys, you know, saddle up and and, and ride into town, and we've done it by by putting pressure on. We've got all those MPs involved, the petition, all of that sort of stuff. We've done everything we can as fans, but now it feels like it didn't matter anyway because there was no point to it all. Do, do you know what I mean? I completely know what you mean, and I, I'm I'm actually quite heartened to hear it because that's the sort of bit that I've missed 
I know. Look, I know Twitter's not ref- not reflective because because if if it was, we wouldn't have Brexit. Trump wouldn't be in power, and or maybe yeah. that's just my Twitter feed. I know it's I know it's echo chamber, and I and I'm only seeing you know a fraction of the of the debate. But but it is good to hear that because that is what I would be feeling if yeah. it was my club, and I'd witnessed this for about the fourth time or whatever it is in the last yeah. few years. I mean, I interact with a lot of Newcastle fans on Twitter from various backgrounds and stuff like that, and they, they come from all over the place and all over the world. Um, and I do get a sense of this a little bit. After that letter came out, there was an instant reaction of, well, what have we just been doing for the last two weeks? Yeah. There's just one thing that... that pushing, you I know, know it just felt a little bit... It felt a little bit disingenuous to me. I don't know. Yeah, no, right, good. And there's just one, just one bit. Even This is like a not a controversial thing, I, I hope, to say, that, you know, through this process... People have asked about, well, you know, why is the Premier League on the record and who's briefing and blah, 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 blah. Look, I, th- I think most people should realise that, that one side was briefing during this. You know, we were that, that us and other journalists were, were getting one side of the story through the process. And that side of the story never really changed. It was the, these horrible cliches about no red flags and um, we've, given them, we've given them everything that they've asked for and, you know, everything's fine and, you know, we, we think it's going to be soon. Well, we now have... We now have the other side of the story. We have some of the other side of the story. We now have, on the record, someone saying, no, there was a massive red flag raised in June. A huge red flag. And yet you continue to brief in the same way. So so just on that point alone, and I understand that some, sometimes in takeovers, nearly always in takeovers, you don't always want to tell the truth. Journalists are annoying. You know, but 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 the ones I work with certainly are quiet. But but you can't then you can't have your cake and eat it. You can't say you you were misleading journalists, and and then by implication you were misleading fans. If you're saying there are no red flags, there was a massive red flag, the biggest one I can imagine. Is that wise when you are trying to pass a test, which at the at its most fundamental level is an honesty test? Uh, I think that's what and what we need now is is. Until until there's a point where Amanda Staveley and PCP and all the rest of them, unless they own the football club, then that then I think those doubts that you raise over over trying to buy a club as I have done over the last few years will persist. And now I think, as as Taylor said, I do think the onus to to an extent goes back onto them. And if if it is still genuine and they still do believe there is a way to to, to try and buy the club, I think that in some ways clarity needs to be provided to supporters because as you say, they they called they asked for support a couple of weeks ago. They got that. The Premier League have responded. And now it sort of feels like, well, where, where does this go next? It, it, it's quite uncertain. And so I think the onus, to an extent, it, it is back onto them and that, that now we have to see what is that way forward because, as I've said before, I don't yet see what that is. Yes. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. We're going we're gonna to wrap things up there. Thanks very much we're for, not gonna do for the coming new on. We're not going to do, we're not gonna do Evangeline Chen. Oh, shall we talk about that? <laughs> I don't know. Chris, what do you, wanna, what, what do you, what do you know about Bellagraph Nova? Well, this, is, this has been an interesting last... off the last, chart. Couple of days. Um, that that there is a, there is another takeover bid in town. Yeah, Bell, BN Group is as they're being called. Um, I have had correspondence with. Uh, I thought they were biscuits with faces on BNs, aren't they? Well, I wish I wish that was I wish that was who was trying to buy the club in this in this situation. I mean, I don't want to be too disparaging because as as we wait and see, this this could turn out strange. Strange things have happened throughout Newcastle United takeover process. The weird world an unfun world that is Newcastle United takeover land. But this <laughs> latest group, um, I was trying to converse with uh, a guy who basically wouldn't answer his phone and said was uh, messaging me on t- uh, on WhatsApp because he was on his boat, apparently, which was an unusual uh, way of trying to correspond with someone. Basically, they they insist that they're serious. They've sent a letter of intent to Mike Ashley, but as we, or Mike Ashley's lawyers, but as we saw last year with the Bin Zayed group, that doesn't necessarily equate to too much. You or I, hmm, Taylor, yeah. or even Matt, could write a letter to the Premier League and yes. say they wanted to buy the club. It's actually getting to a stage where you agree a price and that you get to the owners and directors test. We are nowhere near that stage at the moment. Let us wait and see if that does happen. I am extremely sceptical. I think Matt is as well. He may want to j- just jump in a second and give his side of this. But I just think that the fact that this has become so public so quickly, now you can see everything that you want about PCP's bids and the like, but they never actually said much on the record. There has actually been quotes on the record from this group before they've even agreed a price with Mike Ashley. And so yeah. immediately that, that sets alarms bells ringing for me. Me too. Uh, I I agree that strange things have happened, um, and um, I will commend their um, their website, 
Um, I like the picture with Barack Obama. Um, I like I like um, the descriptions of the of the key principles there. You know, they, they're certainly um, not bashful. Um, <laughs> and um, look, there are there are a few obvious things to say. One, um, takeovers of Premier League clubs, takeovers of, in particular, you, the really good ones. You read about them when they're done. You find out about them when they're done. And um, and, and and PCP nearly pulled that off. And, and you're right. You know, it, when we found out about it via the Wall Street Journal, it was a, wow, my God, Stavely has, Stavely has got the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. Immediately, that, that, was, that was a different kettle of fish. This lot, I, I know nothing about them. I've had a little look. Lots of people that do similar sort of work to me were all asking each other. And I think we're all on the same page. Um, um, it, it is unusual for someone to email you with the email addresses CC'd of the sort of key people um, and to immediately start talking about Ronaldo. That, that normally comes in a little bit later. Um, and, um, so we yeah. can't help but laugh at that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know we say so, we don't want to be disparaging to them. No. So the stuff I've seen on Twitter the last couple of days has been absolutely, utterly ridiculous. If, look, if they pull this off, I will be very, very, very surprised. I mean, it must be reliable. Michael Chopra's involved, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go with Michael Chopra. I mean, but, you no. know, I, it, it just it did look to me like that they have they they have seen that Michael Chopra is a um, you know has gone on the record in this and has been has, has spoken from the heart and has energised the fan base and they've gone brilliant. Let's have a word with him. Um, you know, we're a brand new company. They only joined social media a month or so ago. All you can find about them in terms of their digital footprint is a load of their press releases talking mm. about the number of companies they have and yeah. uh, how bloody great they are. Yeah, um, absolutely. And their amazing turnover. Yes. And I can't find any sort of third-party stuff to corroborate yeah. this. I, I was looking at a Yahoo um, business article yesterday and I read the whole thing through and it sounded all very impressive. And when I got to the bottom, it said source, Bellagraph Nova Group. I was yeah. like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> hey, look, but, yeah. but, you know, they could, be, they could be fronting some massive money, you know, some serious yeah. cash. Um, yeah. Who knows? Who knows indeed. As is always the question with Newcastle, who the hell knows what's going to happen Unfortunately next? So, yeah. Look, I tell you, I tell you what though, I tell you what though, if I if I if I have one thing to leave Newcastle United fans with, I know how bloody depressed you are, and you're looking at this season mm. going, oh my god, the time wasted, and Ashley has really, really checked out now. Yeah, but yeah. you you are a Premier League club, you are a uh, one club city, uh, you have a history. You have an amazing fan base. You uh, own your grounds. You own your training grounds. You have you tick a lot of the good boxes. Yeah. Someone will buy you eventually. They really will. I, yeah. I, there's there's a way out of this. Ashley does not want to own you anymore. He has other headaches, fish to fry. He's had enough. He won't be bullied, and I think there's one thing that immediately, if, if it wasn't just the website and the way they approached me and other journalists, there was something in the Bellagraph stuff I just thought, are you lowballing Ashley right now? Because if you are lowballing him, then you really haven't met him or you haven't met anybody <laughs> yeah. who knows him because this is a bloke who will not be lowballed from, from the get-go and will not yeah. lower his price because you're telling journalists that that's what you think his club is worth. The many twists and turns as we go through the Newcastle takeover saga. We're going to have to wrap it up, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on again, and it's been great talking to you. And uh, thank you uh, for your time. I know it's very precious, and uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And hopefully we'll speak to you again when the next twist or turn comes yeah, in the yeah. Newcastle well, <laughs> takeover saga. Any time. Your club is brilliant for stories. Sorry. Oh, yes. We are a running soap opera. We're like Coronation Street for football. Yeah, I didn't mean it quite like that, but... Well, yeah, I do. <laughs> but, of course, that article that, that you and Chris uh, put together, together that, that came out on, on Friday, is available on theathletic.com. And if you add forward slash Newcastle pod to that, that's athletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod, you can get a 30-day trial. Uh, to access that and all of the other wonderful football content completely free. Um, thanks a lot again, Matt. Thanks a lot for coming on. It's all right. 
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Harry's sponsors, Pod on the Tyne. Uh, as a listener to the podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover. And going to harrys.com, uh, Pod on the Tyne, right now, we'll get you that trial pack. That's harrys.com forward slash pod on the time. How come I have to read these all the time? Why can't we get George to do one of these sometime? George, you're the one who's used these Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. <laughs> I can do that. Wonderful. If you want me to do that, I'll just clip clip that. Here we go. <clears throat> Harry's razors. My cheeks have never been smoother. Well, there we go. Matt Slater, great to have him back on again. Chris, eh? Oh, very good. No, and he gives you that perspective that really from the, the, the actual ins and outs of piracy and Premier League where things work that really uh, I can't quite offer. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it isn't it isn't that he's trying to present the Premier League argument. He just no. has that insight. And so it isn't it isn't that he's anti-Newcastle anyway, just to yeah. make that clear. Absolutely fantastic insight. Well, one man who definitely isn't anti-Newcastle is uh, MP Ian Mearns. We're going to have a little chat with him now. Here we go. So we are joined by Ian Mearns, MP. Ian, how are you doing? Are you OK? I'm very well, thank you very much, yes. Thank you very much for coming on. I, I understand you're a very, very busy man and there's lots going on in the world at the minute that needs your attention, but Newcastle United is something which is very close to your heart, is that true? Well, well, it is, and, and, and I've also had a, a significant amount of correspondence from constituents about the, the, the current takeover saga, um, or not takeover saga, and so there, it's of, of interest to my constituents as well, you know, given the fact that I represent the constituents who gated on the south side of the river, and my house is about a mile and a half as the crow flies from St James's Park. Fantastic, yeah, it, it's something which is very close to a lot of people's hearts at the moment, the whole ongoing takeover saga, is it on, is it off? You were involved quite heavily with uh, with lobbying the Premier League and, and trying to get some information out of them, how did you sort of become involved in that? Were you approached by anybody or is this something that you've kind of taken on off your own back? As you may know, in Parliament I actually chair an all-party parliamentary group for football supporters, which I helped to establish with, along with what is now the Football Supporters Federation. So, you know, we, we, we are very much interested in pre- promoting fan liaison and, uh, and fan interest in, uh, in, in the running of football clubs and, by the way, the, the, the um, governance of football in, in, in general because it seems like, you know, the paying customer who actually go to attend the matches and provide the atmosphere are the ones who are least thought about, particularly by the broadcasters and by quite often the leagues themselves when it comes to arranging uh, fixtures. So, you know, I've always had that sort of interest apart from being a lifelong Newcastle United fan. And and it just seemed to me that something that we had to do because, you know, the, the fact that by the time I wrote to uh, Richard Masters at the Premier League, I think the, the whole thing had been going on for more than three months. And you know, and and then we got the kind of nothing reply from Richard Masters. Uh, you know, sort of, you know, they wouldn't talk about it. It was entirely confidential. But that, to me, doesn't um, for one moment give the the Premier League any credibility because they were actually sitting on a process. I think the big question I would be asking of the Premier League now is. Will every other future takeover of a club, no matter who the bidder is and who the seller is, are they going to be put at the same level of scrutiny? And will that, therefore, from the perspective of current owners, be, make it much more difficult, should they need to do so, sell their clubs? I mean, Ian, obviously, obviously, obviously over the last sort of 13 years, I mean, you're, you're a season ticket holder, regulars at the, at the Tyneside Irish Centre, they'll see you there on match days and things like that. I mean... For for you, just just as a fan rather than MP, what has the a the last thirteen years, but also the last three or four months, been like? Just from a, from your sort of perspective as a fan. Well, you know, people often ask me how I feel about what's what what what's your feelings about an individual match. You know, how do you think we'll do today? And I'm afraid to say, for about the last ten years, my stock answer has become. Expect nothing, and anything you get is a bonus, and that has been <laughs> yeah. as a result of the Ashley years. I mean, I think when when they appointed Pardew, I, I kind of knew that that was that this franchise under Ashley was kind of going nowhere, and and of course, you know, even Pardew had his initial limited success, which usually runs to about ten months at any club that he goes to, and then peters out quite dramatically, and and so you know, it's that 
it's that killing of hope. You know, I, I mean, I remember talking to friends and co- colleagues about going to football and at the football itself. And, you know, one, one lad who I sit next, sit close to in, in the ground, a lad called Dinsey, you know, he says to me, he says, the thing that kills you is the hope. Well, they've actually done away with the hope as well, you know, under the Ashley regime. And in terms of the the takeover sort of sort of saga, I mean, obviously it was sort of like April ninth ish when this went to uh, the Premier League. As as an MP during that sort of situation, obviously you have got your side of you which is a fan, but but during the the whole process, what what I mean, what have you made of? In general, how the Premier League have handled things, how the whole thing has been handled. In terms of you, you said just before, fans obviously are the ones who are almost forgotten about this. Hundreds and thousands of Newcastle fans have been waiting eagerly for an answer, and yet still we haven't actually had one from the Premier League. They they never actually reached a decision. I mean, as an MP, how did what what goes on now? What what can happen now to try and sort well, that out? Well, I mean, I think this again calls into question the whole governance, the transparency and accountability of the governance of, of, of football at a large at a large level. Um, and, you know, we've been in the past critics of the Football Association itself, certainly critics of, of the Premier League, certainly crit- critics of the English Football League. And, you know, you've only got to look at the way in which clubs are bought and sold, look what happened to Wigan and how significant um, problems have occurred at football uh, clubs where it makes the owners, directors, you know, uh, the fit and proper persons test, frankly, just a, a laughing stock. You know, the, the, I mean, Wig, Wigan's a good example, but over, over the time we've had, you know, what's happened at Berry. We've had, uh, you know, Blackpool, you know, numerous different problems at, at, at football clubs, which have involved governance at a director level and lack of oversight by the football authorities themselves. So, I mean, I think this is a good example of why that needs further in- investigation by um, the, the, the the government department, you know, the uh, culture, media and sport. So, Ian, just to, just to bring things back into the here and now, and obviously we had a, a reply of sorts from Richard Masters last week um, to another MP, and uh, we've kind of hit this this block now, this stalemate, where something needs to shift in order for things to progress. Do you think this, do you think this takeover has hit the skids now, or do you think there's a chance of something changing where either the Premier League could move could move their position or the, the, the consortium could do something different to to try and push this through. What are your feelings on this at the minute? Well, well unless I've heard different, the last I heard was the consortium have, have, have kind of withdrawn their interest or put on hold their interest. And, and, and therefore, from that perspective, what is there for the Premier League to respond to now? You know, if, 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 the, if the consortium bidding to buy the club uh, with Amanda Stavely, etc., um, have, have withdrawn their interest or suspended their interest, you know that the Premier League can just sit on their hands and say, "Well, it's over to you. It's over yeah, to somebody else to make anything. the first move." And 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 the, and the trouble I've got with the, the amount of time that it's taken is, I fundamentally believe there's real investigation got to take place to see if there what there are real conflicts of interest with the Premier League, its management, and other outside financial interests and political interests which have helped them to sit on this bid until the bidders withdrew. And and I think that's what needs to be investigated. I mean, Chris knows this. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 want, I would like, as a football fan at Newcastle, I want rid of Ashley. The Saudi Arabian uh, uh, influence within the bid and, 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 the, and the massive ownership of, 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 of the bid um, was of some discomfort to me. But frankly, along with the whole raft of Newcastle supporters, it, it just seemed to me we want rid of Ashley, you know. And at the Premier League, I, I think, have got significant questions to answer over potential and really perceived conflicts of interest because of Qatar, television rights and all the rest of it. I mean, this is the best possible outcome for the Premier League, isn't it? This is this is surely exactly what they wanted to happen. They haven't had to make a decision, and the bid's been withdrawn, and now they can just they can just crack on. You know, surely this is the best possible outcome for them. Well, well, the thing is, what would the Premier League do if Newcastle United go into the next season, get relegated, and then it's up to the English Football League who passes it at owners or directors test and then the Saudi Arabian come back in by the club under the English Football League and are allowed to do so would yeah. the Premier League then block their um, promotion 
it would be a huge it would be a huge legal question that one wouldn't it would they have any grounds to block the promotion would they be allowed to do that i don't know well exactly so so in other in other words i mean are, are the premier league absolutely confident that the english football league would block this takeover yeah. Um, if if Newcastle United were relegated and 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 in the championship and then promoted again, I mean, you know, I, I I really don't want that to happen. But I think that's a good question for Richard Masters. It certainly is, yeah. And I mean, in, t- in terms of that, Ian, I mean, obviously, given given the length of time this this process is t- is taking place, a lot of Newcastle fans will point to the fact that essentially they've had their club has been in limbo for the best part of six months, and we obviously only now a few weeks. I think it's f- less than four weeks until the new season. Mike Ashley is still, in theory, the owner, but it's basically, we all know, he wants to go. Do yeah. you think that they've been left in, that, that, that because it's dragged on so long, this has actually had a negative impact on Newcastle, potentially in certain areas like that, like the transfer market in other areas? I, 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 I just I just want to do a theological thing with you, Chris. I mean, I mean limbo is where <laughs> unchristened babies go, right? You know, before <laughs> Judgment Day. And I think we've been much more in purgatory than limbo. Yeah. Uh, you know, Seems just waiting, better, waiting yeah. for that final judgment day. Um, you know, uh, Ashley's dead hand is still on the tiller, but it's it, it's it's still there. You know, and 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 I, I really don't know where this club goes now. I, I really don't know because it's quite clear that um, that there's not going to be enough finance released by the current ownership in order to strengthen the squad um, during this close season. And you know the, the 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 deadline is ticking down. Is it forty eight days or forty seven days now till the end of the transfer deadline? I just don't think our current squad is good enough for the for the for the Premier League. I know that we finished fourteenth this season, and you know um, were were substantially better than than a number of other clubs over the season. But I mean, I, I think you've only got to look at Newcastle's record against, by the by the way, the bottom four clubs. I think we've only got about nine points against the bottom four clubs out of, out, 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 out of the potential points uh, available to them. You know, I, I mean, that's just not good enough, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid, and and you know we've got we've got good surprise results uh, elsewhere in the season. But when you're not actually beating those bottom clubs on a regular basis, it's quite obvious to everybody that the that the that the um that the squad needs significant strengthening strengthening, and I, I can see a situation where the squad becomes weaker actually because of um players uh, moving out. I, I really hope that's not the case, but you know. You know, just tinkering around the edges and looking for a few more um, imports on 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 the basis of loan deals is is not where we want to be. And and I, you see, I still don't understand the rationale that that Mike Ashley's making on this because um, maybe it's it, it's it's all about the way in which the fans have treated him for about the last six or seven years. You know, and and maybe it's um, he, he's got into his own head. If if these people have got a, a a bad a bad attitude towards him because of his record, well, he he he's then going to sort of um, demonstrate back to them just how much of a fat cockney bee he can be. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, and exactly that's that's the terminology which is which yeah. is used. And, and 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 you know it's it's like him digging his heels in. But if, if that's what they think about us, I'll show them how much of a one I can be. You know. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it almost feels like the club's been in purgatory since the day Mike actually took over. Let's be honest, yeah. isn't it? I mean, yeah, it, yeah, because I mean, you know, we've had two relegations and how many seasons flirting in and around the the rele- relegation. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, just mention that Ian, in terms of if we don't. Going away from just this takeover, but going sort of like Mike Ashley and football governance in general. And I know that you've uh, done a lot of work or tried to, to push a lot of things through Parliament on this. If you were to, to go to the Premier League now and, and say, look at it and say, look, this is a takeover which hasn't happened, and there may be reasons why that hasn't happened. But that, do you think that there needs to be more scrutiny as well of, of the current ownership? I know you've spoken before about the potential financial interests of Mike Ashley and his other companies at Newcastle United. How can we get to a point where the Premier League is more stringent on things like that and really does hold these owners to account? I think the problem that we've got, though, um, Chris, to be honest, is that the Premier League has ceased to be a sporting body. It's a business entity in its own right, and it deals with the clubs as other businesses within its um, partnership arrangement. 
and the whole question of it being a sport and entity kind of becomes sort of um, second or, or, or third priority. And, and, and therefore, from, from that perspective, you know, it's, this is about an interrelationship between different businesses. And it almost becomes that you can't have a conversation about anything within the running of the game because it comes commercially confident, you know, and, and, it's, and it's just become a nonsense. And, and, and I really do think that uh, DCMS and, and possibly the DCMS Select Committee do need to have a good uh, look at this in terms of what needs to be done in order to open up um, the transparency and the accountability of, of the running of the game. At the moment, it's just about businesses having um, relationships with each other, it seems to me. Well, Ian, thanks very much for uh, for coming on and giving us your precious time. We really appreciate you coming on and speaking to us. And uh, hopefully, we'll, uh, you never know, we may talk to you again in the future. And fingers crossed, we'll uh, we'll have some kind of positive season and some positive outcome from uh, from this whole mess that we're dealing with at the minute. It's been great having you on. My pleasure. No problem. Take care now. Well, there we go. Ian Mearns and also Matt Slater on the podcast this week. A bump, a fun-filled edition of the podcast, Chris, wasn't it? There was so much going on. I mean, it's it been edgy, seat stuff. I wouldn't call it fun-filled because we're talking about oh, well, the, the, the things. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it was I mean, I've enjoyed bumper. myself. I've enjoyed myself. It's been great fun. It's good to get those different insights. So I had Matt sort of explain the way that the Premier League are looking at this and, and that they've looked at this throughout the process and sort of what the letter means. And then you get uh, Ian Menz, who obviously is a Newcastle fan, but also yes. an MP who represents Gateshead, attends yes. games when you're actually allowed to attend games, obviously, but also uh, tries to, to get across his, his constituents' point of views. And the yes. fact that he is so influential with the, with the sort of uh, fan governance within Parliament, it was very interesting to hear his perspective and, and in terms of what he thinks it means. And basically, he's suggesting he thinks there should be significant reform throughout football. And, I, and I'm, I think I, I very much agree with him. I just think Absolutely. that fans, as we've said so many times in this podcast, are the ones who get forgotten about in all this. Absolutely. One thing I do need to clear up with Ian, though, is because of his wonderful Northumbrian accent, I need to figure out whether he meant Newcastle were flirting around the relegation zone or floating around the relegation zone. I couldn't quite... I couldn't quite get me head around. We're flirting, definitely flirting around the relegation zone. That's what it is. I'm not sure. Maybe you can text him for me and find out. It is an excellent accent. I will, I will give a text and ask It's him. wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Anyway... Thanks very much for listening. Make sure you get yourself on theathletic.com and if you're looking to sign up for a subscription, it's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod for a 30-day free trial. You can read that wonderful article by Matt and Chris and all of the other fantastic football content that is on there. We shall be back with you next week, hopefully with Mr. George Colgan back as well. It'll be lovely to have his lovely, miserable voice back on the show again, wouldn't it, Chris? I mean, I've enjoyed being away from his misery for, for these last two episodes. But he's quite overbearing, isn't he, when he's here? Yeah, it's no, I, but begrudgingly, and I hope he doesn't listen. As I hope, I, yeah, I, I am missing him a little bit, but don't tell him that. I am. No, definitely don't tell him that. Definitely don't tell him that. Well, thanks, Chris. Cheers, man. Look after yourself. Have a fantastic week, and all you listeners as well. Look after yourselves and uh, and take care. We shall speak to you soon. And that's another episode of Pod on the Tine, all done and dusted. Cheers. Bye bye.